Hey guys, so I wanted to come on here really quick before we get into the message and talk about some really cool news. So this past week, I was able to record a podcast episode on a different podcast channel, Pescados Bros. Amani and Elijah are the co-hosts for this channel, and they do such an amazing job. Honestly, it was just so much fun. We talked about discipleship. We talked about my testimony, the ministry God has given me, and so many other different concepts where I believe the Holy Spirit truly led us to talk about. Um, I'm just so honored and, and happy to have been able to record with them. Again, they're just such awesome men of God that have really answered the call on their life. And so I encourage you to not only check out the interview that I did with them, again, on their Deeper Water segment, but also the different interviews that they've done with some other pretty cool men and women of God who have also answered the call and uh, have just begun the ministry and the work for the kingdom of God to advance the kingdom. So without further ado, we will get into this message. But again, their Instagram is going to be Pescados Bros. Um, you could also check it out on my Instagram as well. I will be posting about it at themessage.podcast. It's going to be awesome, guys. But let's get into the message, and I will see y'all on it. Bye. All right, guys. Back again with another podcast episode. I've actually been sitting on this word for quite some time. Um, but because I'm human and I experience real emotions, I had just been discouraged for a while and it kept me from pushing out any content, but ultimately, thanks to God for, you know, godly friendships and just having the Holy Spirit to encourage me in the godly pursuits and desires that he has for me and he wants me again to pursue. So ultimately I'm here with a message Um, And I pray that it's a blessing and I think it honestly touches on what it means to, you know, have human emotions, feel them, but also to be comforted through them. You know, oftentimes we'll experience stress, worry or despair or despondency. And if you don't know what that definition is, I encourage you to go check out my first episode. I'll give you a hint, a big hint despondency is hopelessness. In these emotions and in these feelings, it's really easy to feel comfortless. A lot of the times we'll feel weighed down by our thoughts or our circumstances or situations that most of the time we have absolutely no control over. And it can be really hard to accept the peace of God when all of a sudden things seem to go from bad to worse or what we perceive as worse. So in this study, I want to talk with us about comfort and the ways in which we're comforted as believers, even amidst suffering or our poor perception of reality. Our scripture text is going to be 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 through 7. I will break it down starting with verses 2 through 3, then 4 through 5, and then 6 through 7. I'll also use some other scriptures as I always do to talk about this concept of comfort Uh, But without further ado, I am going to dive right into it. And as always, guys, I really, really pray that this word falls in the good soil of your heart and produces some really good fruit. And the only way it's going to do that is if it lays root, deep roots in the ground of your heart. And so, again, 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, verse 2 says, and this is Paul speaking, And sent Timothy, our brother and minister of God, and our fellow laborer in the gospel of Christ, to establish you and to comfort you concerning your faith. Verse 3, that no man should be moved by these afflictions, 
For yourselves know that we are appointed thereunto. So in reading verse 2 through 3, I realized that Paul had so much love for this church. So much so that he wanted to comfort them and their faith. Paul desperately wanted them to know that he and Timothy, who is seen as, I guess, his son in the gospel, that both he and Timothy were there for them as they were appointed to them, as we can see in verse 3. Moving on to verse 4, it says, For verily, when we were with you, we told you before that we would suffer tribulation, even as it came to pass, and ye know. Verse 5, For this cause, when I could no longer forbear, I sent to know your faith, lest by some means the tempter have tempted you, and our labor be in vain. So verse 5, uh, pretty much Paul couldn't take it anymore. He just had to know how the faith of the church was doing. The church had experienced some sort of tribulation or suffering, and Paul wanted to be there personally, physically, to encourage them in their faith and remind them to continue to endure as he had taught them. Even though he couldn't be with them personally, he chose to send Timothy to check on their faith. And again, verse 5, Paul felt that because he had invested so much in the church, he was hoping that the tempter or Satan hadn't come to destroy all the progress Paul had made, well, Paul and Timothy had made. Oftentimes, I think we feel the same way. We're hoping that our present circumstances haven't totally destroyed the foundation that we've built. Maybe God had put us through the ringer in a prior, you know, wilderness or desert season where we felt like we were pulling ourselves to the finish line. And we've done all this work and all this growth and all this change. And maybe we're going through suffering again. Maybe we've made a mistake. Maybe something's going on that can switch our perception to make us feel, like I said in the beginning, hopeless or uh, discouraged. But ultimately, this is why our foundation must be built on the rock, on the word. It reminds me of when Peter was walking on water. How even though he was walking, of course, on physical water, the reality or the spiritual perception, because we have our spiritual eyesight and we have our natural eyesight, and our natural eyesight would see that Peter was indeed walking on water, which is, of course, a miracle in and of itself. But our spiritual eyesight knows that he was truly walking on the word of Jesus. So again, why we need to be in our word because there are going to be times that we experience things and what we see naturally doesn't match with what we know spiritually. And so we have to lean on the word of God to get us through and help open our eyes, just like with Elisha, with the servant or the guy who was like, you know, hey, there are so many chariots around us. What are we going to do? And Elisha prayed that that man's eyesight, he, his spiritual eyes would be open. And when it was, there were chariots of fire round about the mountains. Moving on to verse 6, it says, But now when Timothy came from you unto us and brought us good tidings of your faith and charity, which is love, and that ye have good remembrance of us always, desiring greatly to see us, as we also to see you. Therefore, brethren, we were comforted over you in all our affliction and distress by your faith. So come to find out, the church's faith had not wavered, and they were enduring the suffering that Paul had taught them to endure. Which, of course, in turn brought Paul so much joy. And the church, I believe, is a great example 
of how we are to be as believers. We hear the word, we receive the word, and we put it into action. And ultimately, in verse 7, it shows me that not only was Paul sent to, and, and Timothy sent to comfort the church, but the church ended up comforting Paul. It says here in verse 7 that he was afflicted and distressed because he was so worried that their faith had wavered or that it was, you know, that all the labor had been in vain, but come to find out that wasn't true. So in both ways, everyone was comforted. Moving on, though, I do want to talk about comfort, more specifically the comforter. So let's look at John chapter 14, verse 26. It says, but the comforter, which is the Holy Ghost, whom the Father will send in my name, he shall teach you all things and bring all things to your remembrance whatsoever I have said unto you. So here, the Holy Spirit is described to us as the comforter that lives within us. And as we go through life, through the ups and the downs, having the Holy Spirit is going to be imperative if we want to make the journey to the end. If you don't have the Holy Spirit, how do you get it? The first step is repentance. Before we get to that, though, God just reminded me, well, what is the Holy Spirit? So we know that Jesus is the Son of God, and I believe in oneness, which God manifested himself in flesh. He wrapped himself in flesh, and he came down to earth as a man, fully God, but as a man. He came down, had a three-year ministry, had disciples, taught many great things, had many great miracles happen. But ultimately, his own people did not accept him. The Jews did not accept him. But knowing this fully, God came down, died on the cross. But it didn't stop there. Him dying on the cross was him nailing our sins and our shame and all the things he knew that we were going to struggle with since the beginning of the fall. All of the things that we were going to have to endure, he died on the cross. That way we may have victory. But not just that. Then when he was buried, three days later, he rose again. And that is where the Holy Spirit comes in. The Holy Spirit is the spirit of the living God who now dwells within us to comfort us, to guide us, to bring all things to our remembrance. Because God knew that we needed that. He knew that in order to endure this race, that we were going to need him to live with us and walk with us daily. That way we can seek him where he may be found. That way we can pray and our spirit can make intercessions for us. It reminds me of when Jesus said that, because there was a question that was asked um, during Jesus's ministry where they were like, well, why do, you know, why do we have to fast, but your disciples don't? And Jesus answers and says, well, yeah, they don't fast now. It's because I'm with them. But one day I'm not going to physically in this flesh be with them. So they are going to need to fast. Fasting, as a quick, you know, little blurb, is when we deny our flesh, we abstain from food. And there may be other things that we need to fast from as well or solo from that. But ultimately, fasting is no food and sometimes no water. 
where we deny our fleshly desires. That way we may be aligned with the will of God and see what it is that God is trying to do. So that way we can follow that and not follow our own desires. Because it's really easy to do that. But ultimately, one of the biggest things that the Holy Spirit does for us is comforts us and brings to our remembrance all of the things that God has spoken to us in our walk with him. In 1 Thessalonians chapter 3, Paul sent Timothy to comfort the faith of the church through reminding them of what he had taught them. Paul knew that faith comes by hearing of the word of the Lord. Romans 10 verse 15 through 17 says, And how shall they preach except they be sent? As it is written, how beautiful are the feet of them that preach the gospel of peace and bring glad tidings of good things. Verse 16. But they have not all obeyed the gospel for Esaias or Isaiah saith, Lord, who hath believed our report? Verse 17. So then faith cometh by hearing and hearing by the word of God. Paul, the author of Romans, again knew that faith comes and it comforts us because it brings to our remembrance the word of God. Just as the Holy Spirit comforts us by bringing to our remembrance the word. Another way that we are restored and that we're uh, comforted as believers is by the word of our testimony. Revelations chapter 12 verse 11 says, And they overcame him, him being Satan, by the blood of the Lamb and by the word of their testimony. And they loved not their lives unto death. Paul and Timothy were very familiar with sufferings and had been able to overcome them, which is why they could preach to the church, i.e. their testimony. And this was the thing, the labor, using their testimony and their experiences to say, Hey, we've suffered too, but look at us now. We're stronger because of it. And I actually want to go back to um, Romans chapter 10 and then just the concept of the word being brought to our remembrance. I will always say that reading the Bible is going to be the most important thing. And the thing about having an intimate relationship with God it's it, in prayer is really just conversation. It's communion. You know, a lot of people will, you know, talk to you and they'll say, hey, you know, um, they'll be giving you advice maybe. And they'll say, I remember my dad used to say, and it'll be some, you know, deep, profound, or maybe even simple, but profound quote that maybe their dad or their mom or their grandmother or their grandfather or somebody close to them that was like a um, mentor of some kind. Somebody close to them who gave them these words of encouragement and now remembering that they're here to encourage you. And that's kind of the same concept that Jesus serves by way of the Holy Spirit is as our father, he teaches us things through his word. And as the saints, the Holy Spirit will bring a scripture to your remembrance. Maybe you're suffering and God brings something to you that you read weeks ago that you didn't feel even applied to you. Maybe somebody spoke over you and in that moment you're like, this doesn't even make any sense. And then years, months, or days later, all of a sudden that word is brought back to you and you're like, that is why you said something. This is why I always encourage people, write everything down, journal. It's so, so important because as we go through life as humans, we tend to forget these things. God gives us so many wonderful nuggets. And even if you're reading your word and it doesn't seem to fit or apply to you, somewhere along the way it will. 
there are a lot of times where I'm praying to God and, you know, I'll be reading something and I'll be like, God, can you give me an example of this in your word where this applies? And then boom, something will pop into my head and I'm like, oh, let me go there. And I may not always know exactly what the book or the verse or the scripture text is, but maybe I'll use my phone and be like, what is this, 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 and this in the scripture? And then I'll be like, oh yeah, I remember reading that two months ago and now it makes sense. A lot of the times when I'm talking to people and just having conversation or encouraging, there are stories in the Bible or scriptures that just get brought to my remembrance as I'm ministering to people. Again, the purpose, one of the many purposes that the Holy Spirit serves in our life. Another thing is going back to Revelation chapter 12. Do not forsake your testimony. A testimony is a gift from God. And a lot of the times while we're enduring something, it doesn't feel like we're ever going to get out. It doesn't feel like we're ever going to have victory. But a lot of the time, what we experience is not just for us, but it's for somebody else that they may be able to see how God moved faithfully faithfully in our lives, that they may be encouraged that just as God delivered us is just as God will deliver them. So in closing, I, I want us to remember all of the things that God has done. I want us to remember the words he's spoken over our lives and the peace that came when he spoke life into our hearts and our minds. I know for myself, you know, I have a few testimonies where God had pulled through in the midst of my suffering And there were also times where I just simply had to endure. It didn't make any sense. I just had to go through it. Yet in all of that, I I obtained the victory. I'm getting emotional. I obtained the victory. It was hard. Let me tell you, it was hard. And I didn't always see a way out. I was talking to my Nana recently. And I was telling her that I, I... obtained a really, really powerful revelation of the difference between a wilderness and a desert. And I think I've shared this before, but if not, I'll share it again. So a wilderness, when I think of a wilderness, it reminds me of, you know, like those movies or their shows where there's like a whole, they're they're in the jungle, right? They got into a a crash or something like that. And now they're stuck in the jungle and there's a man or or somebody who uh, knows the terrain, right? And he has this like big machete and as he's walking and guiding, you know, the strangers of the land through the wilderness or through the forest, he's chopping down trees and shrubbery as he goes. And it reminded me of that's how God is with us when we're in a wilderness season and we can't see to the right and we can't see to the left and we can't see behind us that God makes a way for us. It says that he makes a way in the wilderness and streams through the desert. God will chop everything down because he knows the way out. We don't, but he does. And we just have to trust him through it. Same thing with the desert. How do you make streams in a place where there's no water? That's the miracle. That in the driest of places, there is a river of living water where once you drink, you will never thirst again. I remember for myself, I experienced a true revelation, a true personal experience of what that meant for me. Last year around summertime, I had lost my job, didn't know why, but I lost it. They didn't tell me why. 
And then a month later, my car got totaled. I got into a bad car accident and it got completely totaled. But of course, most of you know, or if you don't know, I live on my own. So living on your own means rents due, things are due, you gotta pay, you gotta make sure your bills are done on time, all of that. And I was so worried and so afraid that there was going to be no way out for me. But I remember that God had placed within me the understanding that he is my provider and he's going to protect me and provide all of my needs. And sure enough, not only was I provided for the entire time I was without a job, I also was able to drive a vehicle. My dad let me use his car. Luckily, he had uh, his truck and his car and he was like, just take my car. So I had my dad's car and I was not only able to have money to live, but I was also able to go hang out with friends. I know that sounds crazy, but like I had enough money to hang out with friends and go do things and still, you know, drive to church. And I have an hour and like 15 minute commute to church. And being in ministry, that requires me to be in Stockton more than one or two days a week. I was still able to do that. God provided for me. And he showed me that he is my provider. And so I really, really implore you all to see and and search out who is God for me? Who is God in my life? Not so much so that God is our, our handmaiden or like he's our butler, but God wants to show up in a real way. So that way you will never question who he is. You will never question what he can do. I really want you to be encouraged. I hope that this episode serves a great purpose to comfort you. Let this be served as your own personal Paul or Timothy to maybe temperature check your faith and to comfort you. But most importantly, if you have the Holy Spirit living within you, he will much more comfort you and bring you peace, even if things haven't quite worked out yet. So, I hope this was an encouragement to you. I hope this blessed you. And I will see you all on the next message. Bye, guys.